Okay, this morning we are continuing our series through the Apostles' Creed. Uh, so far, in our few sermons that we've done, we've looked at the section which says, I believe in God the Father Almighty, the creator of heaven and earth. And we've had about three sermons that kind of covered that, to- that set of topics, that God is uh, the Father Almighty, He is the ruler of the cosmos, he's the creator of all things, and he is in control of all things, he is over all things, he is the the king of the universe. And he is also a creative God, a God who loves to make things, and he created the world uh, for us to live in, he created humanity, uh, and uh, so we spent quite a bit of time talking about humanity and, and what that looks like and how God created us. This morning... We're going to be looking at Jesus Christ, the the section in the Apostles' Creed that says, And in Jesus Christ, his only Son, our Lord, who was conceived by the Holy Spirit and born of the Virgin Mary. uh, I'll read that one more time. Jesus Christ, God's only Son, our Lord, who was conceived by the Holy Spirit and born of the Virgin Mary. Now we're... We need to spend a lot of time on Jesus because Jesus is the central figure of Christianity. Jesus is the centerpiece of our hope and our faith. Everything that we believe and do uh, revolves around Christ and what he did and taught and how he saved us, how he redeemed us from our sin, how he rose again. Our hope is built on his resurrection Our life is built on his uh, atoning death for our sins. And so we need to know who is this guy? Who is Jesus? So before, you know, uh, next week, uh, Isaac is going to be preaching. And he's going to talk about Jesus' death and resurrection. He's going to talk about the atonement. He's going to talk about those sorts of things. But before we even get into that, we need to know who Jesus is. If we don't know who he is then his death and, his, and everything that he did and taught is basically meaningless. Right? If he, uh, C.S. Lewis had this, uh, this great argument in favor of, of Jesus being God. Because he said that Jesus, the way that Jesus taught and the way that he did things, he is either a liar, because a lot, he, was, he was claiming things that either he, he didn't believe that it was true and he was just trying to earn himself some some street cred, right? He is calling himself God and saying all these, these fantastic things about himself. So either he was a liar or he was a lunatic, right? Maybe he if, he, if he wasn't actually God, but he believed he was God, then he's kind of cuckoo for Cocoa Puffs, right? Like he's crazy, right? Or he is Lord. But you can't really have Jesus as this really nice teacher or this person who did some kind of you know, he did some nice things. It doesn't really work that way because if you actually read the Gospels and the accounts of Jesus' life, you, you begin to realize pretty quickly that if this person is just a good teacher, he's a little bit crazy. And if, you, and if he's a little bit crazy, you can't really trust anything that he says as a good teacher, right? Not, you, might, you might have a nice way of talking, but just because somebody has a nice way of talking doesn't mean that they're, you know, worth listening to. Um... So, I, uh, as I was doing some of my, my study, uh, 
I had a, a, a book of theology out and I was going through the section on, on Jesus and, and on his creation and um, the theologian that I'm going to quote here is called Lorraine Botner. And I think this is a good starting point because this is what he says. He says, there is practically unanimous agreement that a person bearing the name of Jesus once walked the earth and that the movement which we know as Christianity sprang from him. There is also practically unanimous agreement agreement that for the last 1,900 years, his influence has been the most potent and uplifting of all influences in shaping and molding the life of the Western world. That Jesus was the finest specimen of humanity that the world has ever known, that his teachings were the purest and loftiest that the world has ever received, and that his actions were the most faultless that the world has ever seen, is admitted by practically everyone. I really like that quote. I really like it. That's a good quote. That's a great quote. Jesus, uh, he, he is the most potent and uplifting of all influences in shaping and molding the life of the Western world. That's significant. But what, I like this quote, but it falls short. Because all it says is that Jesus was a really important guy. That's, that's pretty much what it says. And it's true, Jesus is a really important guy. But Jesus is more than just a really important guy. Jesus is the son of the living God. He is our Lord. He was conceived by the Holy Spirit. He was born of the Virgin Mary. What we need to recognize is that the creed, what the creed is saying, and what this quote is not quite saying, but I, and I don't want to, besmirch the name of this theologian named Botner, because he does get into Jesus being God. He, he does confirm that and affirm that wholeheartedly. Um, but he was starting, the way he was starting with, was just, this is what the world thinks about Jesus. But when we look at the Apostles' Creed, the Apostles' Creed says that Jesus is the Son of God and that he is our Lord and that he was conceived of the Holy Spirit and born of the Virgin Mary. And so what this creed is doing is it's making two assertions. It's, it's, uh, it's saying that Jesus is God, and it's saying that Jesus is a man. Those are the two assertions that the creed is making. The creed, by, by calling Jesus the Son of God, the creed is teaching us that Jesus is himself the very substance of God. And I'll get into that in just a little bit. So it's very nice to be able to quote a creed and say, yeah, the creed says that Jesus is God. But we need to ask the question, do the scriptures teach that these claims are true? Is that what the Bible actually says? Now, there's a lot of people out there who, including our, uh, our friends, the Jehovah's Witnesses, who say, no, the Bible does not teach that Jesus is God. They are incorrect. The Bible does teach that Jesus is God. So I want to read you a few passages that show very clearly that Jesus is God. So Jesus, when he was on the earth, taught us very clearly that he is God. Okay, there's a lot of people who will also say, well, Jesus never said that he was God. Yes, he did. Multiple times, actually. 
And the only reason that people are not getting that is because either they're not reading it and they're just making a statement, or because they are willfully ignorant as they read the scriptures. So if you want to follow along as I read some scriptures, I'm going to be reading a bunch of scriptures. Don't feel like you have to follow along. If you want a list of them, I can give them to you later. Uh, first, I'm going to read John 14, verses 8 to 11. This is Jesus speaking. Uh, this, in the context, Jesus is sitting, uh, having his final meal with his disciples and having a conversation with them, talking about how, uh, you know, I'm many, if you've been in the church for any amount of time, you've probably heard the quote, John 14, 6, where Jesus says, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No one comes to the Father except through me, which is a good claim to deity. But he goes even further, if you look at, go down to verse 8. Philip says to him, Lord, show us the Father, and it's enough for us. Jesus said to him, Have I been with you so long, and you still don't know me, Philip? Whoever has seen me has seen the Father. How can you say, show us the Father? Do you not believe that I am in the Father, and the Father is in me? The words that I say to you, I do not speak on my own authority, but the Father who dwells in me does his works. Believe me that I am in the Father, and the Father is in me. Or else, believe on account of the works themselves. Jesus says super clearly, anyone who has seen me has seen the Father. Anyone who has seen Jesus has seen the Father. Because Jesus and the Father are one. The Father and the Son are one God. If, you want, if you're in John 14, you can just move one. In my Bible, it's one page. In your Bible, if you have like a study Bible, it might be two pages. And go to John 17. In John 17, Jesus is praying to God the Father. Having a conversation, essentially, with God. And this is what he said. When Jesus had spoken these words, he lifted his eyes to heaven and said, Father, the hour has come. Glorify your son, that the son may glorify you, since you have given him authority over all flesh to give eternal life to all you have given him. And this is eternal life, that they know you, the only true God, and Jesus Christ whom you have sent. I glorified you on earth, having accomplished the work that you gave me to do. And now, Father, and this is the key phrase, Glorify me in your own presence with the glory that I had with you before the world existed. Jesus shared glory with God before the world existed. Now, if you go into the Old Testament, there's a passage in one of the major prophets, and I'm trying to think of which one it is. I think it's Isaiah, where God says... My glory I do not share with another. Is that in Isaiah? I'm looking at the, I'm looking at the elders here. Come on, guys. <laughs> Help me out here. <laughs> it might be in Jeremiah. I'm not sure. But God says very clearly, My glory I do not share with another. God does not share his glory. Jesus says here, Glorify me in your own presence with the glory that I had with you before the world existed. Jesus had glory with God before the world existed. Again, anybody who makes the claim, well, Jesus never said he was God. 
has not read the Bible or they have not read it seriously enough. It's very clear. Have we found the passage yet? Isaiah 48, 11. God says, my glory I do not share with another. Thank you for your help, everybody. Um, so Jesus, I'm, I'm only giving you two passages, by the way, of Jesus teaching his own divinity. There are other places where Jesus claims to be the king of the Jews, where he claims to be God, where he claims all kinds of things. And there are multiple passages where Jesus has run-ins with the Jews. I'm actually going to read one at one point here, where Jesus has run-ins with the Jews because they say to him, you are a man and you are making yourself God. And Jesus says, yeah. He doesn't say, no, 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 you're misunderstanding me. I'm not making myself God. I'm just saying, blah, blah, blah. Jesus does not contradict the statement. They say, you're, you are making yourself God. And Jesus is like, and? Because Jesus has that authority. Jesus has the claim to godhood. Jesus' followers, the apostles, also very clearly proclaim that Jesus is God. Colossians chapter 1 is one of the most, uh, the most widely quoted passages that talk about Jesus and his nature, what Jesus is in his substance. And it's Colossians 1, and it starts in verse 15, and it kind of goes on. Um, it, says that, it says that Jesus is the image of the invisible God, the firstborn of all creation. For by him, all things were created in heaven and on earth, visible and invisible, whether thrones or dominions or rulers or authorities. All things were created through him and for him. And he is before all things... And in him, all things hold together. And he is the head of the body of the church. He is the beginning, the firstborn from the dead, that in everything he might be preeminent. For in him, all the fullness of God was pleased to dwell. And through him, to reconcile to himself all things, whether on earth or in heaven, making peace by the blood of his cross." There's a whole lot of statements in there. Kind of, Paul kind of makes a list of all of the things that Jesus is and does. And there's a couple of things that I want to just point out to you right off the bat. Jesus is the image of the invisible God. Now, in the Old Testament, God said, you shall not make an image of God. And you shall not make an image of anything in the world and worship it. And the Apostle Paul says here that Jesus is the image of the invisible God. So Jesus is the only person who can be the image of God. You can't, you can't make an image of God. You can't uh, bow down to anything other than God. And the Apostle says, but, but you can with Jesus. There's one exception of bowing down to an image. And that image is Jesus. Jesus is the image of the invisible God. Here's another one in verse 16. By him, all things were created. Now, there will be a lot of, there are a lot of uh, 
cults who say Jesus is the first created being. That's what they say. Jesus is the first created being. He's the first thing that God created. Now, if that's true, then this statement is false because it says that by him, all things were created. All means all things. All things means all things. It means everything. Everything that has been created was created through him. It says in John 1, 1, or not 1, 1, but John 1, it says that Jesus, uh, or oh, I, I better, better read it. Um, it says, uh, he, all things were made through him, and without him was not anything made that was made. So if you're ever, if the Jehovah's Witnesses ever come to your door, don't try to uh, read John 1, 1, just read John 1, 2, and say, or read John 1, 3, and say, all things were made through him, without him was not anything made that was made. And ask the question, does that include Jesus? Because they say that Jesus was made. And it says here that without him was not anything made that was made. So all things that were made were made through him. And so if he was made, then not all things were made through him because he was not made through him. Am I making sense here? Yeah, <laughs> I, yeah. yeah that's right. He is the creator. He is not a created being. He is before all things. And in him, all things hold together. That's also in Hebrews chapter 1. He is the head of the body of the church. He is the beginning, the firstborn from the dead, that in everything, everything, he might be preeminent. For in him, the fullness of God was pleased to dwell. The fullness of God was pleased to dwell. And through him to reconcile to himself all things, whether on earth or in heaven, making peace by the blood of his cross. I'll read one more passage. And this, I, I, wanted to give you, I wanted to give you a little bit of the things that Jesus said. I wanted to give you a little bit of what Paul said. And I want to give you a little bit of what somebody else said. So in, in the book of uh, 2 Peter, in chapter 1, this is, uh, this is what Peter says. Uh, this is in verse 16. He says, For we did not follow cleverly devised myths, when we made known to you the power and coming of our Lord Jesus Christ, but we were eyewitnesses of his majesty. For when he received glory and honor from God the Father, and the voice was borne to him in the majestic glory, this is my beloved Son, with whom I am well pleased. We ourselves heard this very voice born from heaven, for we were with him on the holy mountain. And we have the prophetic word more fully confirmed to you, which you will do well to pay attention to, as to a lamp shining in a dark place, until the day dawns and the morning star rises in your hearts, knowing first of all that no prophecy of scripture comes from one, someone's own interpretation, for no prophecy was ever produced by the will of man, but men spoke from God as they were carried along by the Holy Spirit. What, what Peter talks about here is being an eyewitness of the majesty of Jesus, the glory and the honor that God the Father gave to him, declaring him to be the beloved son of God. And as the beloved son of God, he is one with God. Uh, I want to read you one more quote by that guy, Lorraine Botner. Uh, this is uh, from the same uh, book that, that I read to you before. And it says, uh, one of the most exalted titles that apply to Jesus is that of the son of God. It is a divine title or name which calls attention to the dignity of his person 
particularly to his deity, and it indicates that he is fully qualified to speak to men concerning the things of God. So when Jesus calls himself the Son of God, when God calls Jesus his Son, and when the apostles call Jesus the Son of God, they are making a uh, firm claim to deity. And the reason for this is that... uh, I'm trying to think of how to phrase this super well, uh, because I want it to be very clear. Uh... Well, here, how about we'll, we'll turn to John chapter 10, back into the book of John. In John chapter 10, uh, I'm going to read, I'm going to start in verse 22, and I'm going to read um, a few verses, kind of right down to verse uh, 39. At the time of the Feast of Dedication took place in Jerusalem, it was winter, and Jesus was walking in the temple in the colonnade of Solomon. So the Jews gathered around him and said to him, How long will you keep us in suspense? If you are the Christ, tell us plainly. Jesus answered them, I told you, and you don't believe. The words that I do in my Father's name bear, or sorry, the works, works, with a K, not with a D, works that I do in my Father's name bear witness about me, But you do not believe because you are not among my sheep. My sheep hear my voice, and I know them, and they follow me. I give them eternal life. They will never perish. No one will snatch them out of my hand. My Father who has given them to me is greater than all, and no one is able to snatch them out of the Father's hand. I and the Father are one. The Jews picked up stones again to stone him. Jesus answered them, I have shown you many good works from the Father, For which of them are you going to stone me? This is the key verse. The Jews answered him, It is not for a good work that we are going to stone you, but for blasphemy, because you, being a man, make yourself God. Jesus answered them, Is it not written in your law, I said, you are gods? If he called them gods, to whom the word of God came, and the scriptures cannot be broken, do you say of him, whom the Father consecrated and sent in the world, you are blaspheming because I said, I am the Son of God? If I am doing the works of my Father, then do not believe me. But if I do them, even though you do not believe me, believe the works that you may know and understand that the Father is in me and I am in the Father. Again, they sought to arrest him, but he escaped from their hands. So Jesus is being accused of blasphemy. Because he, being a man, made himself God. And Jesus does not contradict them in this passage. He says, well, if I'm doing the works of God, even if you don't necessarily believe my words, look at the evidence of my works that I'm doing before your eyes, and you will see that my claim is true. You can, you know, uh, prove it. Okay, Jesus does mighty miracles and does many wondrous works. And they go, well, that doesn't prove anything. Right? Do something that only God could do. Jesus does something that only God can do. They're like, well, that doesn't prove it. Well, what does prove it? Jesus says, I've told you. I've, I've made it very clear. I have made this claim. I am the son of God. I'm doing works to prove that it's true. You know, in... Uh, 
uh, if you've been in the church for a long time, you might have heard the story of the Jesus healing the paralytic. Uh, right, one of the earliest things in his ministry, and the, a man, his friends climb up on a roof, and they cut a hole in the roof, and they lower their friend who is paralyzed down into the room right in front of Jesus. And Jesus says to him, your sins are forgiven. And all of the, all of the Jews go, whoa, only God can forgive sins. And Jesus says, what is, what is easier to say? Son, your sins are forgiven, or get up and walk. And he says, but that you may know that the Son of Man has authority on earth to forgive sins, I say to you, take up your bed and walk. And the guy gets up and he walks. And that's, Jesus is saying, yes, I have authority on earth to forgive sins. They're like, well, only God can forgive sins. Jesus is like, correct. Only God for, can forgive sins. And they're like, well, prove it. It's like, fine, get up and walk. And the guy gets up and walks. And again, the Jews are like, well, it doesn't prove anything. It's like, come on, guys. You're not paying attention. <laughs> We've made this very clear. I'm laying it out for you. The Jews knew that when Jesus claimed to be the Son of God, he was claiming that he is God. Now, we kind of maybe find that a little bit confusing from sort of like a philosophical sense, because we say, well, Reese, you have a son, and he is not you, right? I, my son is not me, right? So to say, for Jesus to say, I'm the son of God, and to say that makes him God, we might go, well, no, you're not God, you're his son, so you're a different, you're distinct from God, right? Or you're, you're, you're different, right? But my son and I, are of the same substance. I am a human male. My son is a human male. I am not more valuable or precious than my son. My son carries the same dignity and worth as I do. We have the same substance. Even though we're not identical people, we, we share the same substance on the earth. Right? He is not more human than I am. And he is, because he is my son, he's also not less human than I am. It's the same with Jesus and God the Father. Jesus is distinct from the Father, but he is of one substance with God. They share the same, they share sameness of nature. They share sameness of, I'm going to say it again, substance, because that's like the best word that I can think to actually use it. They are the same. God is God. And his son is also God. They are the same thing. They are the same uh, creature. Maybe that's a good word for it. Any, any progeny that I have, any offspring that I have, will be human. Because I am human. I can only produce humans. <laughs> My dad is like, are you really human? <laughs> yes. <laughs> right. I... <laughs> Now you've distracted me, Dad. <clears throat> Thanks a lot. Um, the Jews knew... Okay, back to my notes. The Jews knew that a claim to sonship was a claim to Godhood. They knew that if someone was going to claim to be the son of God, that that meant that he shared substance with God. That they were the same substance, the same entity, the same thing. <laughs> I don't know how else to say it. 
honestly. I don't, I, I don't know how else to frame it. Um, but that's why the Jews picked up stones to stone Jesus. They were like, you are claiming to be God, and so we're going to kill you because we don't believe you. And Jesus says, well, look at my works. So, going back to the Apostles' Creed, it says that Jesus Christ is the God's only Son. And since he is God's only Son, he is God. And since he is God, he is also Lord. Because God is the ruler of the universe, Jesus is also the ruler of the universe. That's what it said in Colossians 1. And that's what Jesus taught in Matthew chapter 28. In, in the Great Commission, Jesus said, All authority in heaven and on earth, in heaven and on earth, is given to me. Go therefore and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit, teaching them to observe all that I have commanded you. And behold, I am with you always, even to the end of the age. Jesus makes a whole bunch of claims there. All authority in heaven and on earth is his. It belongs to him. He makes a command. Now go into everything that I own, all of creation, to all the nations. I own the nations. Go into them and tell them, hey, Jesus owns you. Teach them to do all the things that I've commanded you. Baptize them. And behold, I am with you always to the end of the age. Jesus makes a claim of authority, and he makes a claim of immortality. Right? Go and uh, all authority is given to me. I'm with you always to the end of the age. Only God has all authority and is immortal. Are you convinced that Jesus believed that he was God and that the apostles believed that he was God and that Jesus is God? Good. All right. The second claim that the uh, Apostles' Creed makes is that Jesus is man. So, Jesus, it says, was conceived by the Holy Spirit and born of the Virgin Mary. Jesus was conceived of the Holy Spirit in a human woman. Thus, uh, he is being born, or he was born, as both God and man. His parents were God the Father and Mary. Uh, and in this way, coming to the earth in this way, he maintains his eternal deity while also having true human passage into the world. If you take away one of those two things, Jesus does not have, God, can't claim both godhood and manhood. If, uh, if uh, he was the son of two human parents, he wouldn't, obviously he wouldn't be able to claim to be God. Because God is not pure human, only human. God is not only human. If, if he descended out of the sky on a cloud and landed on the earth, he wouldn't really be able to claim humanity on himself because humans aren't born that way. Humans don't come down out of the sky. Kids, talk to your parents afterwards and ask. No, I'm kidding. Um, humans come into the world through women, which is, by the way, amazing. I, I, just, saw, I just saw it happen again for the fourth time, and I'm just like, this is crazy, man. <laughs> it really is. It's, uh, 
it's a superpower that uh, I'm glad I don't have. Uh, sorry, I, I got off track there for a second. Humanity comes through woman. And so if Jesus was only to come through woman and not to come from God the Holy Spirit, he would not be able to claim that he is both God and man. And in Luke chapter 1, we are told how this is accomplished. If I can ever find it. Page 955 in the Bible. Uh, Luke 26, or sorry, 126. Uh, In the sixth month uh, of Elizabeth's pregnancy, uh, the angel Gabriel was sent from God to the city of Galilee uh, named Nazareth to a virgin betrothed to a man whose name was Joseph out of the house of David, and the virgin's name was Mary. He came to her and he said, Greetings, O favored one, the Lord is with you. But she was greatly troubled at the saying and tried to discern what sort of greeting this might be. The angel said to her, Do not be afraid, Mary, for you have found favor with God. And behold, you will conceive in your womb and bear a son, and you shall call his name Jesus. He will be great and will be called the Son of the Most High. There's another claim for deity, by the way. Uh, And the Lord God will give... To him the throne of his father David, and he will reign over the house of Jacob forever, and of his kingdom there will be no end. Mary said to the angel, How will this be since I'm a virgin? The angel answered her, The Holy Spirit will come upon you, and the power of the Most High will overshadow you. Therefore, the child to be born will be called Holy, the Son of God. Behold your relative Elizabeth. Yeah, I'm not going to read that part. But that explains the order in which Jesus comes into the world. The Holy Spirit comes down and gives power to the Virgin Mary and she conceives without uh, the help of a man and she uh, and Jesus is created or is brought I was about to say created (laughs) Jesus is brought into the world Jesus was not created at that moment Uh, Jesus was brought into the world Um, Jesus uh, in his teaching frequently referred to himself as the son of man which is an indication that he truly was human he wanted people to know I'm the son of man. I am a man. Yes, I'm the son of God, also the son of man. Uh, he, he was a man in every sense. Uh, it says in the book of Hebrews that Jesus was a man in every way as, as we are. Um, Jesus has, uh, Jesus, yeah, Jesus had a, a physical body while he was on the earth, and then that body died and he was resurrected into a glorified body. Um, and in, uh, in Mark chapter five, there's a story of a woman who needs healing and she touches Jesus. Actually, she touches the, the hem of his garment and she is healed from her, from her problem, indicating that Jesus had a physical body that had to be wearing physical clothing, right? Uh, there are some ancient heresies that say Jesus, uh, Jesus was just some sort of spiritual being that sort of walked around. He didn't actually have a physical body. No, Jesus had a physical body. There are people who say also that after Jesus was raised from the dead, that he was only sort of raised spiritually. He didn't actually have a body. He was just sort of like this this, uh, spirity, floaty thing. That's how he could walk through walls. 
you know, is that he was not, he didn't actually have a physical body. By the way, when Jesus rose from the dead, he could walk through walls, which should blow your mind. Um, Jesus was able, and he was also able to teleport, which should also blow your mind. Um, Jesus walks into his, the room with his apostles and he tells them specifically, touch me, touch my body. Put your fingers into the holes that I have in my hands from being crucified and see that I am not a ghost. I am not a spiritual being. I am a physical being. I am a human man. He's been glorified. He's been raised from the dead. He has a new body, but he is a physical person. And I, notice I'm using the word is. Jesus, when he ascended into heaven did not shed his physical form so that he could live as pure energy on another plane of existence. Jesus maintains, currently, his physical body. It is immortal, it is physical, and it is touchable. It is touchable. Um, there's a whole bunch of stuff that I could continue to say. I'm not going to. Um, ultimately, uh, you know, uh, in first John chapter four, the apostle, uh, says anybody who denies that Jesus came in the flesh is, or any spirit that denies that Jesus came in the flesh is accursed, is not from God. Uh, in Philippians chapter two, Paul emphasizes that Jesus took on human flesh. I was going to read those passages, but I think I'm, I'm kind of running to the end of uh, everyone's attention span, so that's okay. Um, the The big question that I want to kind of leave you with, and hopefully answer to your satisfaction, is why should we care? This is all a whole lot of information about Jesus. Okay, and? So? Well, what? Why should I care that Jesus is God and man? To put it bluntly, your existence depends on it. If Jesus is merely a man, you have no hope. None. You will die in your sin, and you will go to hell. If Jesus is not God, he cannot die for your sins. If Jesus is not God, he cannot raise himself from the dead. If Jesus is not God, he cannot take on your sin. Because only God can take the wrath of God and rise again. If you die and you take the wrath of God, you will never rise again. The wrath of God is too much for you. You need God to take that wrath upon himself, to receive it in himself, so that you may have life. If God, or if Jesus was merely a man, he would not be able to take your sin on himself. If Jesus is, what did I just say? If Jesus is not God, oh man, I'm mixing myself up now. If Jesus is not God, he cannot take on your sin. If Jesus was not man, then he wouldn't be able to die for you. He wouldn't be able to identify with you. I, I haven't, I've, I've alluded to the book of Hebrews quite a lot. I haven't actually read it. I'm hoping that it'll come up a little bit in our open time. 
But there is one verse here that I think is really important that you need to know. In Hebrews 4.14, it says, Since then we have a great high priest who has passed through the heavens, Jesus the Son of God. Let us hold fast our confession, for we do not have a high priest who is unable to sympathize with our weaknesses, but one who in every respect has been tempted as we are yet without sin. Jesus has been tempted in every respect as we are. Jesus understands us perfectly because he is man. And he has been tempted as a man. If Jesus was not a man, what temptation would there be? There wouldn't be any. It says in the book of James that God cannot be tempted by evil, nor is he tempted by anyone. But Jesus took on human flesh and received temptation because of his humanity and overcame that temptation on our behalf. All topics in theology, all lectures in theology come back to you in one way or another. None of it is dry, boring information that you can log in the back of your mind and think, wow, fascinating. Reese had a really interesting thing to say today. Everything comes back to you personally and affects your life in ways that you can't understand or fathom, in ways that I can't understand or fathom. And even if I could, I wouldn't be able to explain the depths of it to you. Jesus is God. Jesus is man. We believe in God, the Father Almighty, the creator of heaven and earth, and in Jesus Christ, his only Son, our Lord, who was conceived by the Holy Spirit and born of the Virgin Mary. And we believe in that because if we don't, we're lost. We've got nothing. Amen. We've got no hope. But praise the Lord. We have hope because Jesus is these things. Let's pray. Lord, we thank you for not revealing these things to the wise and understanding, but revealing them to little children. And that is what we are. Little children, without understanding, without great wisdom. Help us, Father. Help us to understand these truths to absorb these truths, to bring them into the forefront of our minds, to hang our hopes on Jesus, the founder and the perfecter of our faith, who for the joy that was set before him endured the cross, despising its shame, and is now seated at the right hand of the majesty on high. Help us, Father, not to grow weary or faint-hearted, but to rejoice in you, in your love, that you would even be willing to come live for us and die for us, lowly sinners. Thank you for changing us and making us new so that we no longer bear the reproach of being called sinner, but we are now beloved children 
of the Most High. As we worship together, Father, I pray that you would teach us and lead us. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen.